So I want to begin this message about community, about belonging, by talking about nicknames. Now, if you're like me, throughout my 34 years of life, I've had many nicknames over the years. I think the name Ben itself lends itself to variations like Benny Boy, Benji, um, Benjamin I used to have, um, but I've also had many, many nicknames. I must just have a face for the kind of person that has a nickname. Maybe I just don't complain enough to people when they give them to me, but I've had, um, after the former England manager Sven Goran Eriksson, I was named Sven, because obviously it rhymes with Ben. Uh, oh, the most annoying one that I had was given to me by my sisters. And my sisters I'm, I'm a middle child, uh, I was the, the boy and I had a you know, sister either side and my sisters would gang up on me every now and then and when I would um, perhaps complain to mum I would do something that would go a little bit like this Mum! Mum! And I'd lift up my chin so I had this nickname from my sister's chin lifter I would be constantly um, mocked by my sister so if I ever and was, felt like I'd been um, mistreated by them or if I ever wanted to complain about them, I'd go to my mum or dad and say, Mum, Mum, and they'd just, behind my back or snigger, round the corner, chin lifter, chin lifter, and it would just be so annoying and it would get me more and more agitated and more and more, more frustrated. So chin lifter, not a nickname that I enjoyed having. Um, but you might have a nickname. Maybe um, in the chat right now, you could just put, what was your nickname as a child or what nickname do you live by right now and um, are there any funny nicknames or any nicknames that you've liked any nicknames that you haven't liked if you're in the cafe right now just say them out we might not be able to hear you fully with your mask on um, but we'll do our best to hear what what nicknames have you been given over the years now names in the bible are very significant uh, names have huge meaning across the board whether it be in the old testament or in the new testament um there was, uh, you know, various different people had their names changed, like Abraham changed to Abraham, and Sarai to Sarah, and um, Saul to Paul, and of course Simon to Peter. So names were significant. The meaning of the new names was far outweighed the significance of the, the old names. Interestingly enough, not all the names or titles given to people in the Bible were entirely positive. There was um, the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. She was named by her issue. Tax collectors were, were named just tax collectors or the blind man was named the blind man. People were named after their issues. Even God has various different names. We've just sang, um, we've just praised the name of Jesus, praised the name of God. But there are so many different facets, so many different names of God. You've got El Shaddai, God Almighty, Adonai, Lord, and so many others. Even Jesus was known as the Son of Man, the Son of God, Messiah. And in a moment, um, well, we're going to look at John, and in John it, it references Jesus as the Lamb of God. Even Jesus himself gave himself names. In John, the Gospel of John, he said seven things, seven phrases like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said seven different things, seven names, seven titles that he gave to himself. I am the way. Now these um, names were given to Jesus by, effectively by himself, but that was also part of his nature. I'm going to read um, a passage, um, a short verse in John 21, which is pretty much where we're going to be staying for the rest of this message in the Gospel of John. We'll also jump into the letters written by the same author, John. But in, in John chapter 21, verse 20, it says, Peter turned 
and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. In brackets, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? The title of this message is The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved. Now that title is given by John to John. He gave this title to himself. He wrote the book and the gospel of John and he references himself at least five times as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it's not referenced, it's not named, he's not given that name in any other part of the Bible. Now you could you could be forgiven to think well, he's got a bit of an ego. Um, he thinks quite highly of himself. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. The question that many of us might ask is, well, what about me? What about the other 11 disciples? What about all people of all time? Did Jesus love them or did Jesus love John more? Is he just saying this because he's a little bit big-headed and he's got a bit of an ego or a chip on his shoulder? Or, if you see it from a different angle, perhaps he didn't see himself highly enough to even use his own name. He only used a title given to himself um, that referenced who he was. He didn't want to, he wanted to remain anonymous. He didn't want people to know him as John. They wanted to simply know him. He wanted them to simply know him as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In other places in that gospel, he just calls himself the other disciple, which suggests to me that perhaps he didn't have an ego. Perhaps he was humble and he wanted to remain anonymous. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He wasn't saying that Jesus loved the disciples any less. But perhaps John, maybe more so than any of the other disciples, had discovered just how much Jesus loves him. Perhaps John had discovered the depth, maybe more so than the other disciples, of how much Jesus loved him. He was identifying himself as someone who Jesus loved. You know, what names and, and how do you, you identify yourself? What names have you given to yourself? It could be, in my case, sometimes I call myself, you idiot, or you stupid boy. Or we, we identify ourselves by our issues. I have this sickness. I am, um, I am unemployed. I have this problem. I have made this mistake. This past defines me. This is my name these are the titles this we we might call ourselves a bit crazy or a bit gone in the head or a bit whatever you know these terms that we use incompetent we make might, might make a mistake and suddenly we feel as if we are and we call ourselves incompetent but what about if for a minute we just like john called ourselves a disciple whom jesus loves somebody loved by jesus imagine of all those people that faith and the food bank team touch and reach out to suddenly realize that they are loved by Jesus. Imagine if our community and the people in our community realize that they are somebody who Jesus loves. I think John, um, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is a key um, person to helping us understand how to love others, how to love our community, how to be part and belong to a community. Because he talks in the gospel, in this book of John, um, a few um, well, certainly a number of chapters before that the, the verse that I've just read. But Jesus, he writes about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. This is a culturally shocking moment in some respect because this is the, the lowest thing that Jesus could have done. The dirtiest, the, the, the most humbling thing that Jesus 
could have done for anybody. And the reason Jesus is doing this is to show that he is a, first of all, a servant before a king. But also, secondly, he wants to model something to the disciples to follow and do the same for others. He even washed Judas's feet. The man who, in a moment, I'm going to tell you, and you probably already knew, betrayed him and stabbed him in the back. He washed his feet, knowing that that would happen. And on that note, after Jesus says at the table, they're all sat at the table after he's washed their feet and they're eating a meal. And Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Wow. These are all meant to be friends. And Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And in um, verse 23 of John 13, it says, this, here's that phrase, the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask him, who is he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread. I dip in this bowl. And just this remarkable moment occurs, almost this private conversation perhaps between John and Jesus, with Peter maybe just trying to get an, an earshot of what is being said. The one I give this bread to, and when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. If you were John in that moment, how would you feel? Knowing that somebody who you trusted and, and somebody who managed the finances of your group and somebody that you loved and considered a friend, it's just been revealed to be the one that will stab Jesus in the back. And moments later, he gets up and Jesus says, you go and go and do it quickly. And he goes. Judas leaves the room. Would you, if you were in John's shoes, have had any love for Judas? Well, let's pick up in John 13, um, a few verses later, verse 34. This is what Jesus says, because he doesn't give them much time to dwell on this moment. He doesn't give John much time to kind of think and, and formulate what he really believes, because this is what Jesus says in verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's love that proves to the world that you're a Christian. It's love that proves to the world that you really, truly follow Jesus. Judas clearly revealed himself, revealed himself as somebody that doesn't follow Jesus, somebody who isn't a true follower, who isn't a Christian. He revealed himself as somebody who does not love. You can be in church and you can give the impression that you're one of the in crowd. You can give the impression that you love Jesus just by saying the right things and doing the right things and being in the right places at the right time. But do you really love? If you don't love other believers, if you don't love in a way that Jesus loved, then how can you say that you are a follower of Jesus? Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on for a few chapters in John, just talking to the disciples, speaking to them. These are his last words. This is his last night. This is the, the last few hours he has to input into his disciples. And in John 15, verse 12, he says something very similar, but he adds a, another dimension to it. In verse 12 of John 15, it says, this is my commandment. Before he talked about a new commandment, here he's referencing a commandment again. This is the commandment. Love 
each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now here's a key verse and a powerful sentence. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now Jesus had already lived this verse out himself. He laid down his life for his friends. First of all, um, the story of, 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 and the trajectory of the Gospel of John. In, in John 11, a few chapters before what we've just focused on right now, he has a moment where he has to lay down his life for somebody, you know, his best friend Lazarus, who has just died. Now, in order to go and raise Lazarus from the dead, because Jesus knew he had the power to bring his friend back to life, and so did other people. They were pleading with him to go back, but Jesus knew that if he went back to Jerusalem, if he went back to that location, that would be the end for him. That would be the moment in which his uh, betrayers and his captors would get him, and he would be crucified, and he would die. So he knew that he'd have, he had to surrender his life for his friend, Lazarus. And the story goes on that Lazarus was raised from the dead and then Jesus eventually did come to the point where he was crucified but not only that in that sort of micro level in the macro level of all humankind Jesus laid down his life for you for all sinners for all people even the likes of Judas even his enemies wow so how do we love like Jesus if we are to love in the way that Jesus has loved us, how do we do it? Because we can't die on the cross. We can't take the weight of the world's sin. We can't do that. We can never claim to be able to do that. That is not what Jesus is asking for. We can't copy Jesus. We can't imitate Jesus. But we can connect with him. It's a few verses later, or sorry, a few verses before in John 15, he talks about the vine and the branches. And in that passage, he must reference the word remain or in a sort of older translation, the word abide. He must mention that word 10 or 12 different times. Remain in me. Remain in my love. In verse 9 of John 15, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Not only are we talking about loving the way Jesus loves us, Jesus is talking about I'm loving the way that the Father loved me. So when we love like Jesus, we also love like the Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Here's that key phrase, remain in me. Don't copy me. You don't have to be a saviour of the world or a messiah because you cannot be. But you can remain in me and allow the lifeblood, allow Jesus' love like a vine, to be connected to that vine. Allow um, that to flow through you. Allow his love to throw, flow through you. Get connected to the vine that is Jesus. So I think the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, is, is, is really helpful in us understanding how we love one another, especially as we love one another in the way that Jesus loved us, how we love our community, how we commit to belonging. And I think, you know, what can we learn from John, the the disciple whom Jesus loved? I think, you know, the other disciples, we never hear of them complaining about him having this title. We never see them, hear about them competing and saying, you shouldn't be the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's not fair. I think possibly because they deeply, deeply, the other disciples, deeply loved John. He was 
a lovable person. He was a kind, warm and affectionate person. I just think about what he did for Peter. Now, if you know, you know, the Gospels, Peter, um, in, in Jesus's hour of need, he walked away. He denied Peter three. He, he denied Jesus, even knowing Jesus. He denied Jesus's existence as his friend three times. And the guilt and the shame that must have been attached to Peter and the, and the, and the regret. And when he realized that his, his friend had died and he had no way of you know, telling him he was sorry. and He didn't necessarily at that point understand resurrection. But when he was told, when he and John were told that Jesus was not in the tomb anymore, he and John ran to the tomb. And I just love the thought, I just love how, you know, the, the picture of John alongside Peter, just with him, standing with him, saying, I'm with you, let's go and do this together. I'm not leaving you on your own, Peter. And he, and he allows, he get, John gets, he must be a quicker runner. John gets to the tomb before Peter, but he, like a gentleman, like an affectionate friend says, you go first, you check it out first. And lo and behold, Jesus isn't there and he's resurrected. What a great friend. John loved his, his friends and, and the other disciples. He loved his community. And I think there's a couple of aspects of love um, and a couple of aspects of John's personality that we can really learn from, two, two in fact, and that's sort of the rest of this message. The first one he was he was close to Jesus. He was one of the three. He was very rarely apart from Jesus. Only on the times when Jesus went on his own to, to pray and be with God. Other than that, he was probably right next to Jesus even at that uh, you know that last supper at the table he was sat closest to Jesus he was intimate with Jesus he leans with Jesus leans on Jesus at the table now the question for you is do you desire to be close to Jesus are you willing to take that extra step and go deeper with him are you willing to be so close that you can smell and touch and, and, and feel the breath on the back of your, your neck. Are you, are you, are you, do you, do you desire intimacy with God? Now that's, you know, many of us will probably say, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, no, no, but there's a sacrifice, there's a devotion, there's, there's time that it takes to kind of build that sort of relationship. Relationships don't happen overnight. You have to work on it. You have to really dig deep. You have to go through the difficult times and the good times. Relationships and intimate relationships like that don't happen overnight. John, um, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was told things like, you know, he identified and the other disciples didn't even know. They, they didn't realise that Judas at the Last Supper had left the room to go and betray Jesus. They just thought he was going to deal with some sort of money issue because he was the treasurer. But Jesus told John. And because of that closeness, because of that intimacy, Jesus revealed things to John that other people didn't know. And you, you, you read in the in the New Testament... John it writes Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, and it's just got so much depth and so much imagery and so many prophecies and dreams and, and stuff that you think, well, maybe Jesus did have um, conversations with John and maybe God did have and he did have a relationship with 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 John in a way that he knew stuff that other people didn't know. He had that connection, that closeness. Do you desire it? Are you willing to put the time and the work in to get intimate? with Jesus. You can tell that John was a um, intimate, kind, warm, generous, trustworthy person that Jesus trusted and wanted to be intimate with because on the cross when Jesus was dying, um, he said to John, here's my mother, you know, effectively look after her for the rest of her life while I'm dead and I cannot look after her. You're the one, this is your mother um, and John, this is this is your mother and mother, this is your son he, he entrusts his own mother would you ever do that to anyone 
Who would you entrust your mother to? The chances are, if there's a person out there that you would, it's somebody that you're deeply and intimately connected with and close to. So that's the first thing that we can learn. How do we build community? How do we belong somewhere? How do we love other people in the way that Jesus loved us? Is get close to Jesus. The second thing, and this is a, a trait of John, he was, without a doubt, teachable. It says, um, are you my friends if you do what I command? Also in one of John's letters, in, in 1 John 2 verse 5, it says this, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. If you want to show Jesus how much you love him, you'll listen to him and you'll do what he says and you'll obey his commands and you will be teachable. John was quick to learn, unlike Thomas who doubted and Peter who was a bit reckless and he denied him. He was, he was one of the first people to convert from John the Baptist ministry to Jesus. And that's not kind of um, a, a knock on John. That's basically saying, you know, John the Baptist ministry was saying, don't follow me, follow Jesus. John the Baptist was saying, there's somebody coming later who you must follow. And John the disciple whom Jesus loved was one of the first to recognise that. He was teachable. He didn't need a dramatic conversion. He didn't need something incredible to happen to him. He just listened, responded and, and was teachable. No wonder the teacher had a teacher's pet. <laughs> he was this disciple whom Jesus loved because he was so teachable. He was a quick learner. And also he was a student who loved his teacher. There's a few, perhaps maybe they, they don't... Um, make John look as great. Um, but there was, there was a situation where John and the other disciples caught some other people casting out demons from people in the name of Jesus. And he said, these people must stop. And he complains to Jesus. And Jesus said, well, if they're not against us, they're for us. And the reason he said that was because he didn't want, you know, he, he, was, he was so precious about the, his own teacher. In the same way, uh, the disciples and Jesus, they were not made welcome in a Samaritan village. And, and John, he says, should we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Not because for any other reason other than he was devoted and he absolutely loved his teacher. So a few practical things before I finish, because if we are to love one another, if we are to love our community, we need to understand the love of Jesus. That is the key principle. That is the key message in John's writing that he loves because Jesus first loved him. So if we can understand and be close and be teachable and understand the love of Jesus, there are a few things that we can do to demonstrate love. We can show kindness and affection to others. Sometimes I struggle to show affection to my own wife and, 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 and two-year-old daughter. But what about showing affection and kindness and warmth to, to other people as well? But start in your home if you struggle elsewhere. And why don't you encourage people who are younger, but also honour and respect those who are older? Why don't you lay down your comfort and conveniences for the benefit of, of others? Consider people more valuable than possessions. Try not to take offence, but also try not to deliberately offend people. These are simple ways that you can practically love. Here's a good one, and it's simple. It's when people rejoice and have something to celebrate, celebrate with them. That is part of love. But also when they are mourning and need comfort, you stand with them, you comfort them, you love them, you walk with them, like John did with Peter. Why don't you give generously to those in these? The, the likes of Food Bank doing a great job 
serving those in need. That's a great way that you can love. Love is a verb. Love is action. Go and spend money on a charity. Go and donate money to a worthwhile charity. Go and give food to the food bank. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do to show love is to pray for people privately. You will get no recognition, no thanks, no respect for it. It's the ultimate selfless act is to pray for one another. So why don't we all desire to be the disciple and know this? Because it's true, we are loved by Jesus. But do you reference yourself and recognize yourself as the disciple, a disciple whom Jesus loved? Let's finish with the words of John in his letter in 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Jesus died for you and if you don't know Jesus today you can receive him. Somebody um, on church online, um, even if you want to raise a hand if you're in the cafe and you want somebody to pray with you, we would absolutely be delighted for someone today to receive Jesus and recognize the free gift that he gave you. He gave you life in exchange for his death on the cross. He gave you forgiveness in exchange for your mistakes. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful God. He loves you. You are loved by Jesus but you can't earn it there's nothing that John did to earn Jesus's love there's nothing that you can do to earn Jesus's love let's simply be people that love others father we thank you for your love we thank you for the example of the disciple whom you love God may we desire to be somebody and to be known as somebody who is loved by you. And I pray, God, for anybody right now who does not feel loved, may they experience and encounter the love of, the Je love of Jesus right now. May they walk out of the cafe. May they walk out of their front room right now, wherever they're watching right now, and know that they are loved by you. Amen.